Hi, I'm Big Nakuma. And I'm Audio Nerd 64. And we are your gamer friends. It's a little, it's a little close. No, stop. Stop! What? It's recognizable. Is it? To me. Well, I was just singing it. Well, uh, that's the point. Hmm. If you recognize that, please let us know. Actually, you know what? That's a wonderful segue, I think, into the <laughs> topic that we're talking about today. Is it? Yeah, because we're talking about oh, copyright. Right, right. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, I got it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're getting into the copyright and trademark debacle, which is the open games license. It is a debacle. Was, depending on who you ask. Right. Mm. Maybe we'll have an answer, whether it's done or not, by the end of this episode. Perhaps. Maybe we won't. I don't think we will. Maybe every it's everyone's shit here. I don't know. I Huh. I don't know what that I don't know. Interesting. Well, uh it was a it was kinda of like mm-hmm. maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's everyone's fault. No, that's not usually how it works with capitalism. So anyway But in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kara Canning. <laughs> Only murders in the building is good TV and it's triggering. For me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Someone hates and I love it. So we are that. being joined by friend of the show, Jay. Catch yourself, Black. Friend of the show. Uh-huh. D&D correspondent. True. MCU correspondent. Fair. Resident Baker. I would really desire some bagels delivered to my address. Will they keep long enough for that? Why not? Ain't that far? You can put a whole niggas. Oh, so sorry. Censor it. This, I will. I want to bleep it. There's actually two <laughs> things now that I'm bleeping in this intro. That's wild. It's absolutely wild. Ooh, interesting. Well, without further ado, you said that in the. What did I say? Without further ado, did I? So, without further ado, welcome back to the pod. Your boy, Jay. I don't get a friend of the show. Friend of the show, your boy, Jay. Resident D&D expert. (laughs) What other titles do you want? No, that's fine. One of our MCU correspondents. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's actually funny because I wanted to talk to you, like, in my sort of post-leaving my job depression. I binge-watched a bunch of MCU stuff. And I have some hot takes on the MCU again. Horrible some, takes. Some horrible, <laughs> some brand new takes. All right, there's all right. Mo- there's movies I've reevaluated. Like, I, I feel so much differently about the MCU now. I'll indulge <laughs> one take. Give us your hottest one. Oh, God. My hottest one? Maybe it's just that Age of Ultron is pretty good. It's a good movie. Oh, we're we're on board with that. We're on board with that one. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Yeah. I, I, it, yeah. It, yeah. No, it was good. That's fine. Yeah. And and it really does take hindsight to appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Ultron is the 808s and heartbreak <laughs> of the MCU. Yeah, Although that's, I'm that's really accurate. That's actually I true. just hope we'd never get to <laughs> Whatever his last Hail Hydra, yeah, Hail Hydra, praise Jesus. <laughs> Captain America actually joins Hydra. Can I just say though? Can I just say? So me and my lady were in Chicago back for Thanksgiving, and we went into this bar, 
like this was like on a Sunday night, right after Thanksgiving. We're trying to get a drink, and this like bartender, this like white bartender lady, she's controlling the playlist, and she just threw on this like all Kanye playlist, and she was like standing in it. She's like, "Now nah, we're all gonna listen to Kanye." And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, these are all still good songs, but like this is, now is really not the time. Like you just gotta keep that at home. Like let's not do that like, to no. all of society right now." In the time of giving thanks? Right. I'm like, it's the holiday. We don't got to do that. You just, why are you being controversial right now? Like, just, and, and that's a weird thing for me to say, right? Because, you know, I, I love controversy, but like, there's a time and a place. And I yeah, think that wasn't the time. Nor and the I think place. Wizards no. of the Coast did not pick the proper time or the place to mm. uh, do what they did to their brand and community well being. He's so, getting good at this. <laughs> so, this. This story became, I think, one of the largest stories, period, in the news. This was getting actual shine in major news publications, even as they were slashing their games department, which is fucking ironic. But we, as non, for the most part, TTRPG players, still haven't really understood the depths of what was going on. The quick and dirty that my limited understanding gives me is that a lot of the media that is created with D&D was threatened by them changing essentially the licensing for which you could make that content and the entire community flipped their shit. That is a decent way to summarize it for the non-initiated. It's a little bit more nuanced because you kind of need to look at what exactly was going on with the OGL, like the sort of long-term community corporate battle that kind of led to the birth of the OGL in general. I think what's interesting to me is that like, even though I think what, how this all culminated, people kind of see as like a win. I think this is just a sort of another sort of bit in a long war that's been going mm. on pretty much since, like, the creation of this game. Why don't we just start from the beginning? What is the OGL even? So the OGL, the Open Game License, it is a license that exists that RPG writers and gamers can sign on to use. And by using that license, it gives them access to this thing called the SRD which is the Mm -hmm. system reference document. It is kind of like the source code of Dungeons & Dragons, like the chassis that the game is built on. That's perfect. I love that analogy. Thank you for that. So it's basically like the specific stats, attributes, here's how you roll, and then like all non-trademarkable classes and creatures and abilities. Got it. Can I ask a quick question? Sure. How is that different than just buying the handbook? Great question. So the player's handbook or the dungeon master's guide or the monster manual, those things are all going to contain creatures and information that like Wizards of the Coast lawyers technically would claim is trademarkable. So the character of Xanathar, Xanathar the Beholder, is like a trademark character that Wizards of the Coast owns and controls. They can't own and control the concept of a fighter, Mm -hmm. but they can own and control a manifestation of a fighter like an Eldritch Knight. That is their own sort of trademarkable IP. The abilities of that class are trademarked by the company. 
but the base chassis of the class is not. Got it. And one more interruption then. Are we talking trademark or copyright here? So that is where this issue becomes really, really complicated, even for so. I will, I'll ask the two of you to include some links in like the show notes because I think there are some videos and, and blog posts that people should read on this. Because mm-hmm. there are people who like have way more expertise in these things than like most people posting about online could ever hope to. And there are still a lot of parts of this that are like really unclear. The general consensus is that the sort of mechanics and rules of a game, you can't copyright them. But what you can do is trademark your specific expression of those mechanics. Okay. So let's say right now I was writing my own RPG and I wanted to use a D20 system and I designed a class that was a fighter. And I basically just, because I love 5e so much, I just copy and pasted the 5e fighter class. That would be against the rules, basically. Previously, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to change a little bit. Right? That would basically be, I'm basically copying, pasting from Wizards. I'm plagiarizing their, their trademarked material. But for example, you could write your own game and you could create your own fighter class and give it their own abilities and like express the mechanics of rolling a D20 and taking plus four to get, you know what I mean? Express those mechanics a different way and you'd have your own original trademarkable fighter class for your game. Mm-hmm. The issue is that before the system reference document existed, SRD, basically whenever someone did what I just described, like, oh, I'm making my own game, my own fighter class, my own way of using these rules, TSR, the company that was previously had ownership over Dungeons & Dragons, would just sue the shit out of them. <laughs> like, that's how it, like, made... Oh, no, no. no. No, that's seriously how it maintained its control over the sort of fantasy, tabletop, dungeon-exploring game environment by just suing the hell out of people. Or they would sue people for, like, making a product that they advertised as being like, oh, like, this is compatible with whatever edition of D&D, so you can buy my adventure module, not the official adventure module from them, and use this with their stuff, right? They didn't like that either, because they wanted all the money to be flowing through them. Mm-hmm. And so this was like a back and forth thing for years. And so what the OGL, like I was saying, does, the OGL allows you to use the specific expressions of the rules in the system reference document without being sued. It was kind of like a olive branch to the community after years of like these back and forth battles. So like, okay, look, you guys want to build your own games and write your own adventures and whatever, whatever. You can use these things, and as long as you agree to abide by terms of the OGL, we're never going to sue you, and we're not going to have any problem. And so, since that was initiated, if you look in the backs of a lot of indie RPGs, games that you think are not connected to or related to D&D at all, like, there's a copy of the OGL on the back. Mm-hmm. It kind of became this sort of blanket for communal uses of, like, D20 systems. So just sort of like, hey, we're all going to do this and no one's going to get sued. We're all going to have a good time. We're all going to make games. The hobby's going to grow. So the issue that arose, and oddly, it's not the first time this issue has arisen, right? Because apparently this also happened going into fourth edition, which is that basically Wizards of the Coast wanted to change the terms of the OGL. Part of the reason why they claimed they wanted to change some of these terms was because, number one, 
they claim they wanted to have more of an ability to prevent what they deemed to be like hateful content from being created under the OGL. Because there was a sort of controversy with this new company calling itself TSR that I believe might be associated with Gary Gygax's son, Ernie Gygax. I, I can't remember because this was just something I just didn't care to pay attention to. Who? But essentially, oh, um, Ernie Gygax. I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, he's the son of Gary Gygax. Who's Gary Gygax? <laughs> Gary Gygax is uh the guy who got all the credit for creating D and D. Oh, and the way you say that makes it seem as though he should not have all that credit. Listen, it's not particularly a thing that like look. I don't I don't have a side in the battle, but like any sort of objective reading of the history behind that shows that like, you know, it was a collaborative effort. A lot of people did it. He kind of stand lead that situation where like he got a lot more credit <laughs> for it than he deserved. And all and rest of you used to stand, that's my homie. But like we all know what you did. Like, um that, that's document <laughs> history. No, this, people have done this throughout history, right? There's somebody who comes and they sort of take all the credit for like a great idea that a lot of people contributed to. And they basically spend the rest of forever pretending that wasn't the case. It just is what it is. Like, that's just, that's just facts, right? Um, I have no comment. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But basically, the point is that, like, this company, this new TSR company, tried to release a game that was transphobic, racist, all the, you know, had tons of white supremacist dog whistles right in it. Like, oh, you could be a black human and your intelligence is lower. Just dumb shit like that. Oh, we love oh, that. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's great. Wizards had to take them to court to just be like, stop that. And so they claimed that was one of the reasons they wanted to be able to change some terms of the OGL. There was another claim that they needed to change terms of the license in order to prevent NFTs and, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, now that useless. And they certainly but... mean other people's NFTs. Right. Oh, right. oh, oh of course. Oh, 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 of course. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, most fucking definitely. Um, that they needed more control over how D&D content could be used by other virtual tabletop services because now that they own D&D Beyond, their plan seems to be to launch their own virtual tabletop service. No one knows what that looks like. They don't really seem to know what it looks like yet either. And mind you, like I said, this is also like a huge... Having an online computerized component was also a part of like the development of fourth edition, right? So Wizards really is like retreading a lot of ground in terms of like burning community goodwill, trying to go digital with the game. Like this is not, they're literally just trying to do what happened back in like 2006, 7, 8, like that time period, maybe a little earlier. And am I correct in that Pathfinder's first edition really spun out of this initial controversy as well? Or was it before that? Correct. So how that kind of happened was the community didn't really like 4th edition of D&D because of things like the OGL. And I think that they tried to change it to like the GSL at one point, which was also had a lot of problems. Th- we'll get to that in a second. But basically because <laughs> of sort of like the OGL and SRDs, people were able to take the chassis of D&D 3.5, which was kind of like the edition that people were playing at the time, and they were able to build the first edition of Pathfinder off of that. People say that at one point, Pathfinder was outselling fourth edition. 
Yeah. I think that That's was true. I, I wasn't I wasn't there. I'm pretty sure I was playing Final Fantasy Tactics Advance instead of <laughs> I think that's exactly what I would have been doing in, at that time. There was also a sort of period around that time where they also tried to change the terms of the OGL at that point too to switch to the GSL because partially they wanted to switch to like digital things, have more control over the game. That was a little bit more successful for them. Well, successful in the sense that like they were kind of able to bullet through with not as much community opposition, I think, as what we saw in this latest controversy. And that really like wiped out a lot of D20 game publishers at the time because they just were not able to safely produce material that was compatible with D&D mm-hmm. without possibly the risk of getting sued. And a lot of people say it also affected like the number of game stores, but I think that also would have been happening so close to the recession. I don't know that it's really fair to say that one thing led to the other. You know what? They certainly probably were interrelated. And the reason also, I think for people who don't know this, this and this is kind of getting into like D&D deep lore a little bit, which is that fourth edition was supposed to launch with like an online app kind of component. And the reason it did it is because the developer like murder-suicided his family. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I feel like I remember that feeding into like the panic around D&D. It wouldn't surprise me if it kind of maybe restarted like a little micro panic, but like I wasn't there. I don't remember it. Um, I mean, I was alive, but I certainly don't. It certainly could have gotten folded into like, well, here's why you shouldn't play D&D, kids, because this guy did it and it made him kill his family. But I don't know. I feel like I was so, because I was banned. I was mm. not allowed oh. to play D and D. I didn't know what D and D was until I didn't either. But I was banned from playing. It. <laughs> so you know what's actually oh, wow. funny? I was actually I was thinking about I thought about this recently because it's on HBO Max. I was watching Dexter's Lab, and do you remember the episode of Dexter's Lab where they play D and D? I do not. I think vaguely. So I remember seeing that episode as a kid, and I don't think it was my first exposure to D and D. I think I might have like maybe seen a rule book or something somewhere. I definitely seen the novels, maybe read a couple of them. But I remember that episode made me want to play D&D, but it was just basically kind of inaccessible to me until, like, college, right after. Because mm-hmm. no one I knew played it. People played Pokemon cards, Magic, blah, blah, blah. And, like, when I went to the store that sold those cards, there was maybe a guy who looked like he played D&D, but no one played D&D <laughs> there. So, like, it was primarily, like, a card game store. So no one was playing, yeah. like, tabletop games. So I just was never... So I would literally talk to someone about this in college, and they're like, I play D&D. Would you like to play? Mm. I actually have the same story. I I played Pokemon cards at the local card store wherever we lived. If we moved, I just found another one. But I never got pulled into tabletop. I couldn't play Pokemon because it was too close to Yu-Gi-Oh, which had demons in it. So... (laughs) I'm glad everyone got to have fun. In their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually get really nostalgic for like sitting around with the kids on the block throwing out Yu-Gi-Oh cards. We were all cheating, of course, because it was super fun. Uh, I remember this. <laughs> it was, uh, I get nostalgic for those days. You yeah. know, I wish, uh, I'm not going to go buy Yu-Gi-Oh cards because I, you know, I can't recapture that, but. And you've lost a decade worth of meta. Like, you, it'll yeah, be impossible for you to oh, get back into it. I actually tried to, like, look up the rules, and I'm like, get the hell out of my face. So I don't care. <laughs> Remember, I, was at, I was at PAX, and this guy was just like, oh, hey, do you want to come learn how to play the Pokemon card game? And I was just like, I learned how to play it when I was a kid. And he was just like, 
it's much different now. And I was like, well, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good on that. I'm good. Um, but I, 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 yeah, we should get back to uh, to D and D to sort of recap. It yeah. feels this is what how I feel about it. It feels like D and D created this game, mm-hmm. or Wizards of the Coast created this game. D and D. They didn't. Oh, sorry. Geiger, whatever his no, that's not. TSR. <laughs> TSR. The best way to say is that TSR. So TSR had ownership over Dungeons and Dragons. Wizards bought TSR and a lot of the things it owns at a certain point, and now Hasbro owns, which is the coast. And part of the reason why this is happening. Uh, so sort of why all this started coming about was there was apparently like an earnings call that was kind of public for only like nerdy journalists to listen to, right? Like only. You know, like only bloggers are really listening to that stuff. This discussion sort of came up among Hasbro, apparently, that the D&D brand is very under-monetized because they've owned Wizards of the Coast for like about 20 years. But it seems like, according to like most people who've been writing about this, it seems like they've only just recently realized that D&D makes for them almost as much money as like a bunch of the other properties they own. You know, and Hasbro, they own Power Rangers, own G.I. Joe. I think, I don't know if they own all of the rights to Transformers, but they own some of, like, the toy rights, I believe. They definitely have the toy rights. Yeah. So they own a bunch of stuff, and they're just, like, they kind of realize, like, oh, wait a minute. This thing over here makes us a bunch of money. We could get some more out of it. Part of the reason why this, this movie's even happening is because they're like, yo, we want D&D to be a lifestyle brand like Marvel is. We want there to be a little D&D for everybody, whether it's a TV show, a movie. Uh, you know, they did the D&D magic card set, but apparently they've been making everyone mad with how they've been juicing the money of the magic players. I don't mm-hmm. really know a lot of, I don't really know a lot about that, but I've just been seeing the griping about it. In uh, relationship to this, yeah, I'm seeing that a lot too. Yeah. Remember when they put Rihanna's forehead on a battleship and tried to make a board game into a movie? That was they did. Too. They did make the they did make the battleship movie. I forgot about that. Um and so basically, I think the best way I've seen this put is that in order for them to make sure that the next edition of DD that they're working on tentatively titled one D&D right now and it's beta test, is that in order for that to be financially successful, they need to strangle out its biggest competition. And its biggest competition is 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, the game that everyone is playing right now. Mm. Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are always hesitant to switch to new editions, right? Like you've like people who've been playing 5e for 10 years, like like me, like, why would you want to swap? Right. Like, maybe you like you, you like this game. Like, you like this game. Maybe you have enough house rules at your table that, like, oh, well, the things that, you're, the things that they're fixing in 1D&D, I've been house ruled that three years ago. Like, I don't really need your rule set. I don't need to buy new books, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and this sort of discontent has already been cropping up. For example, like, they released a fifth edition book called Monsters of the Multiverse, which basically was kind of like a patch to the monster manual. Okay. A, and a lot of people weren't a fan of it, right? They felt like they kind of made things too generic. They removed some abilities or they sort of like made some changes like a little bit too late, right? Because like I'm saying, like, it kind of sucks that you've been playing this game for years and you and you struggled to figure out how to fix this thing. And maybe you already did. And now like five or six years later, they're like, oh, well, here's how we're going to fix this and we're going to charge you 60 bucks for it, mm. right? So they've, they've $60? Already, well, the people, well, they've already been losing a lot of goodwill the prices of some of these book releases compared to, like, the amount of and quality of the material in it. That's a video game. You know what it feels, yeah, this kind of feels like to me? It kind of feels feel like? like 
these people essentially made an elaborate version of chess. And a lot of people were like, yeah, let's have some fun. Let's remix this, this elaborate game of chess. And they're like, um, well, we want to make money off of this elaborate game of chess. So, like, give it to us. Well, I think, I think part of the problem is that, like they seem to have noticed, that Hasbro just seems to have noticed, like, how much money D&D makes it. Then look at the sort of market around D&D, right? As, like, tabletop games have become more popular, right? Your shows like Critical Role, like Critical Role makes a bunch of money, right? When I was at PAX, like, there were people buying $200 dice sets, fancy gaming tables. Like, there's... $200? Yo, I was looking at dice, and I'm like, my friend bought a pair of dice for $75 because they smelled like Christmas trees. I'm like, what? $75? <laughs> I'm like, if I spent $75 on dice, my lady would... Would be like, what, what? What are you talking about? No, she would not, she would that would not fly. I'm not spending $75 on dice. This is not something oh, I'm gonna do. Goodness. But like, there are people out there who want to spend this money. And the thing is, like, Hasbro's not getting that money. Right. Right. They might release like <laughs> no, because like generally, like wizards will maybe release like maybe like one or two dice sets of their own a year. They release some action figures that only a couple nerds buy. They don't even really release that many minis to go with the game. Right? And a lot of people do still like to play with minis. So Hasbro is just like, yo, y'all leaving money on the table. We need to start juicing all the bread out of these people we can. And part of that comes with like, all right, we're going to force everyone to switch over to the new edition. We're going to change the OGL so that we have more control over what material that third-party creators are putting out so nobody can put out anything that's going to fuck up the brand. Right? Mm-hmm. And then from what we understand about the virtual tabletop that they want to do is they want every... So we've played D&D together like once. I'd like to play together more. Right, we're going we're gonna to work on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it happen more. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. you two didn't have to spend any money. That's correct. So no, I have to spend a, yes, That's right. Not a dime. a dime. You did not spend a dime to have four hours of D&D fun with me. You didn't spend any money. No. Right? Like, like I have, so I have a Roll20 subscription, right? So I spent that money. That, that's not money that's going to Hasbro. I bought my D&D rule books so that I could read them, have physical copies, understand the rules of the game. That was $50 I spent years ago after a couple of years of not even having my own physical rule books. So, like, think about that from their perspective, right? It's like, oh, only people who Dungeon Master really spend money, right? Because, mm. like, the sort of most expensive part of playing D&D is, like, getting the books, getting a dice set that you might share with your friends online, having a VTT subscription, right? So they want more of that money coming through them, right? They don't only just want the Dungeon Master spends the money and his and their friends have fun. They're like, no, 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 the Dungeon Master is going to spend money and the players are going to spend money. That's like, <laughs> that's what they're trying to move toward. And in fairness, if you're a thrifty Dungeon Master, you really don't have to spend any money either. Not there's enough. There's enough stuff online Stuff online, there are, and there's all, well, so that's the other thing about the OGL, right? So because the OGL, the previous OGLs that have existed also included uh, the sort of chassis rules behind older editions of D&D. So the last decade and change, you've had the rise of what they call retro clones, which is basically people recreating older versions of D&D. Like, part of the biggest problem with playing any of the older editions is just the rule books are just laid out terribly. Things are unclear. But now that people have had 
20, 25, 30 years to play and refine the rules to these older editions, they can state them very plainly and clearly. So it's like, you can go out and basically play right now. I think the only edition of D&D, as far as I know, that doesn't really have a retro clone is 4E. Um, maybe Lancer is. Someone said Lancer is a 4E clone. I don't know. But the point is that like you can basically play any edition of D&D you want, and you could do that at basically any price point you want. You could do that from spending $0 to spending $60, or spending like $100 if you wanted to like go really invest in like an older book or something. Like Part of the reason why Wizards and uh, on DM's Guild even bothers to sell and republish older adventures is because there I know that people who are playing retro clones want access to those adventures to play them. Mm. Interesting. You know what this kind of is? This kind of feels like it feels like they are like looking for their big tech solution to their problem. Because it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like how copyright laws had to change after the invention of the CD. You could have a CD that you keep in your house. Mm-hmm. But, like, what if you physically, like, burned and made a copy of it to keep in your car? Right. At first, that was a violation. Now it's not. But that doesn't stop someone from, like, me giving the CD to a friend and then making 100 copies and doing whatever the fuck they want with it. Right. And streaming kind of solves that problem. And I feel like this is their, for better or worse, their uh, foray into late-stage capitalism. They're kind of getting caught up. Right, and so, <laughs> no, right, and so, cha- all right, no, no, this is actually a really good, that's a really good connection, right, because changing the OGL is kind of a part of that, right, because what mm-hmm. you need to do is you need to create a reason why, because people don't have to go along with this, right, people could just keep using right. Right. their 5th edition content, but the idea is that, like, if you change the OGL to the point that it basically destroys the sort of ecology of and network of people who are creating content for 5th edition, well, why would you want to play a game that you're not going to get any new content for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you would just want to move on to the new edition that, number one, Wizards will be creating new content for, and that also, theoretically, all the third-party creators are going to end up being forced to create content for it. So, beyond essentially season pacifying <laughs> D&D and all of the bullshit restrictions, I think our listeners can surmise that the community reaction to all of this was extremely negative. It was bad. It was, uh, when I say bad, I mean bad for wizards. I, it, I saw it was immediately people were just like, this is some old bullshit. One of the things that people were really concerned about was that like, there was apparently going to be like a, a morality clause thing. And, you know, people have had DMs Guild content censored in the past for, like, nudity and art, queer content and adventures or whatever. Racist monkeys. Right. And nobody, nobody, really, wants to, nobody really wants to, like, get a book they're kickstarting pulled because Wizard said that, like, you can't have two lesbians kissing on the cover or something like that, right? Like, nobody wants to deal with those kind of licenses. Or maybe, like, a creator disparages the company and they decide to revoke the OGL from them. Right. People just didn't want to deal with that. There were some other concerns around like streaming and how they could stream content. It was basically just like a lot of like, honestly, it was a lot of stuff that would not have impacted the normal gamer, right? It just would have sort of impacted maybe the third party content that they wanted to have access to. Mm -hmm. So the community was upset about this and the community of third party creators and publishers was pretty clear that like they did not like this. They didn't support this. I mean, 
Jenny D, who shout out to Jenny D. I love her YouTube channel. They brought her out to like announce one D and D, and now she's out here being like, "Hey, yo, y'all can't change the OGL. That's crazy. It's not a good look when like the person who like <laughs> you teamed up with to like we like the community so much we're picking this creator is just like y'all are really fucking up." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. I... If you want to know how bad this got, I mean, like they've dropped like like at least two trailers for the D and D movie, and like people were talking about a boycott of the film. People were downvoting the shit out of the trailers, criticizing the hell out of it. There were some nerds who were just like, come on, guys, can we just let it rock? Does this movie look a little fun? And people were just like, <laughs> and people were just like, nah, it doesn't matter if nah, it looks nigga. fun. Like, fuck this company. Like, people were really rooting for that movie to fail. That's a bad look. I mean, I think they thought that the license itself was this obscure thing that so few people would care about. But I think what they didn't realize is that, like, there's an industry of YouTubers who, like, make they're living talking about tabletop games. Right. And anything yes. that affects tabletop games affects those people. So they all had a vested interest in being loud about the story. Mm-hmm. All right. So can we just do a little bit of recap of these changes that got everyone mad? Because my head is spinning. Basically, like, just controlling who could create content under what conditions you could create it. I mean, one of the things they mentioned was that, like, if you were found to be in violation of the OGL, you had to, like, destroy your printed stock of your materials. There were some terms about royalties that had to be given back to Wizards if you made over a certain amount of money off of your third-party products under the OGL. And that one was very controversial because they were very clear that, like, only about, like, 20 third-party publishers made more than $750,000, which was like the limit that was being set. But I think, you know, everyone with a third-party company wants to be one of those 20 companies. So I think they don't want to have to give Wizards a cut of money that they wouldn't have had to give under the terms of the current OGL. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, like I also mentioned, like I said, I would also like to make sure, like, like I said, include in the show notes some links where people can read about this a little more in depth so everyone can sort of see. Because I think if I tried to explain every part of the OGL that was going to be changed, I would screw it up. Um, so people should just read that specifically. I'm just trying to give the best summary I can of this. Fair. But there was also another sort of a can of worms that was opened up by this entire controversy. As I mentioned earlier, game mechanics can't really be copywritten. Right. So something that people have been kind of whispering about, and I think, this whisper getting louder has been like part of the problem happening for wizards, right? Is that there's kind of this growing train of thought that like maybe people never needed to sign the OGL at all. Mm. The OGL gives you access to the SRD, which basically just lets you copy and paste these rules without having to worry about being sued or having to like come up with your own variation of it, right? But like it's possible that a lot of the content in the SRD is it maybe as trademarkable as they sort of claim that it is? Mm-hmm. Right? Because of its sort of non-copyright status, right? So, and a lot of people have kind of been like, look, like, Cory Doctorow wrote a pretty decent blog post about this where he was basically like, I think this license was always trash and maybe people never needed to sign it in the first place. Because, like, you know, one of the things that, like, when you sign the OGL, it means that, like, you can't specifically advertise your product as being compatible with Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Like, you have to advertise as 
being compatible with the world's greatest role-playing game or something to that extent. <laughs> the, the big game, right? You can't say the super... The, right. the big game. Is the right, big the, game. the license allows them to control how you refer back to their product, mm-hmm. right? And I honestly think that people were really starting to question a lot of like, how much of this do you actually own? Mm. And, you know, like I said, most of this has never been tested in court because back when like right. TSR was suing the hell out of other people creating games, like those people generally just lost in court because they didn't have the money to fight them. There's not really a lot of established law around tabletop RPGs. So I think when you start getting like all these YouTube lawyers, like when I say YouTube lawyers, I mean both people who are lawyers and have YouTube channels and people who think they're lawyers and have YouTube channels <laughs> are, are making videos about this. Like, I think that's like why you start seeing the interest in mainstream media like Forbes. Because I think people are just like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I think the whole world is kind of seeing like, there's some venture capitalist guys right now wondering what, what what's the money to be made here is, right? Yes. If you're just some guy who has a bunch of money to invest, like, if the rules of this game aren't potentially as copyrightable or trademarkable as Witches of the Coast thinks, why shouldn't I just come drop my cash grab RPG, pump a bunch of money into it, get some celebrity nerd to advertise it real quick, and then sell some NFTs and dip out? Sounds like a sound investment to me. I mean... I think that, like, this controversy kind of exposed, like, a kind of weak point in the sort of mm-hmm. armor and control over this game. And, like, I think the vultures were circling. Their stock dipped. Hasbro is apparently firing. I mean, they're still operating at a profit, but of course they're firing like 3,000 people because that's what you do as a company in your stock that helps you fire people. Um, they want this movie to be successful. They don't want people to boycott this D&D movie. And also the controversy garnered a huge potential competitor in that Pathfinder and all these other third-party titles have banded together to make their own version of the OGL called the ORC, the O-R-C. Yes. Which is basically just a souped-up version of the OGL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to be shady here, and I'm going to say, I can't believe I haven't seen someone call them out for naming them ORCs, which is, you know, we all know a racist creature. They're a racist <laughs> character. So I'm, I'm surprised they haven't uh, caused some heat for that from certain aspects can't of the, certain, certain parts of the community. But no, so actually... So it's funny you mentioned that because I, there was a tweet from Paizo Publishers, people who own Pathfinder. According to them, they have sold eight months worth of stock in the last five weeks. That is a ton of people. Like, that's not money they're spending on with just the Coast products that they're buying. You get, and like, I started looking <laughs> at Pathfinder. I'm like, yo, I'm like, they have a subscription model where they send you like a bunch of high quality adventures like every other month. I was like, oh, wait a minute. What? There's years worth of content to play? Listen. I I, I have some buddies who've been trying to get me on the Pathfinder. And you know what? I sat down the other day. I made like three characters. I'm just like, I'll I'll play a little Pathfinder. I want to be a gunner. I want to be a frog who shoots people with a gun. Let's go. This is, I think, the worst possible outcome for them. People like you being willing to... They scared (laughs) Well, it's not just that, right? It's not just that. You have MCDM, which is run by, you know, Matt Colville's third-party publishing company. Like, He said he's about to make his own RPG. Like, here is a guy who's been making videos about D&D for years, who has released a lot of popular content for D&D, who's getting ready to release a whole compendium of monsters and things for D&D that Kickstarter a shit that raised a lot of money on Kickstarter. And now this guy's like, oh, y'all are tripping. I'm just going to invent my own game. This is someone who is happy to continue 
playing your game. This dude runs a fourth edition game on his channel. A malign system that people still shit on to this day. And he's one of the only people who ever really talks about like what's good about it. And they went and made this man so mad he's gonna go create his own game. That's that's a that's a travesty. That's a syndrome kind of thing right there. <laughs> it's it's like a they humiliation a king. Yeah. It's a humiliation king. That's what it is. Whoever wrote the press release that initially responded to the community, Ooh, we're like, that, we all won. We all won. <laughs> it's it's a humiliation kink. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. I think a lot of PR people have that. I do too. I, no comment. I have no comment. Like, imagine being Zachary Levi's PR person this morning. Oof. You you want that feeling to continue to do it. You Listen, want to feel don't, that. Don't, tra- don't drag the people into a controversy. <laughs> Did people like that first Shazam movie? Like, I mean, is that a beloved movie? I'm not even really sure how we got to this point. <laughs> I actually don't. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, anyway, so all of this reaction culminated in perhaps a fearic victory, perhaps a temporary victory, but a victory nonetheless. It is another... Ending of hostilities and a war that's not going to stop. <laughs> so, essentially, oh Lord, Wizards released a press release that announced two things. The first is that they are not changing the current OGL for the moment. Part of the problem, obviously, people have with that is people wanted them to dedicate themselves to never changing the OGL and saying that they would never change the OGL. They are reserving the right to change the OGL. So that is the first thing. The second thing that they announced is that they created a new updated version of the 5th edition system reference document, and they released it under a Creative Commons license. Okay. So essentially, like I said, the SRD is the chassis underneath which 5th edition DD runs, and the previous mm-hmm. SRDs that existed are sort of the basic rules for other systems. So they basically made the 5e source code Creative Commons. They made it free. They're giving it to everyone. Right. I hope this is a good Game of Friends analogy. You know, whenever there's like a popular Pokemon fan game in development, Nintendo just comes and shuts that shit down. Mm. They do. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Late in development, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> they be like, are y'all about to release? They're like, oh, the game's almost done? <laughs> Die. <laughs> Destroyed. <laughs> Destroyed. Oh. Um, get out of here, Team Rocket. Blast off. They just do it all the time. Imagine if like instead of doing that, they're like, okay, look, here is the source code for red and blue. Do whatever you want with these. Go ahead. You, y'all, the community, you can make all the fan games you want with these. Just stop making fan games with other games. That's sort of the closest kind of thing I can imagine this being. Hmm. I, I, I can see it. And like I said, I think part of the reason why they've done this is so that, like I said, the biggest competition for the new edition of D&D in their minds, I think, before Pathfinder started raking in the money, was the current edition of D&D. And so now they've kind of, like, given it to the community. And it's interesting that, like, there's a lot of stuff that ended up in the new version of the SRD that people thought was trademarked, but actually isn't trademarked. Like, Beholder, Mind Flayer, Strahd Von Zerovich, the names of certain cities. So that's kind of what makes me suspect that a lot of this was kind of done in order to just like get people to stop poking at the legalities 
mm. of all this mm-hmm. behind the scenes, right? In a lot of ways, I think it also prevents a united front against them because a lot of mm. people are going to be happy to pick up this new SRD and just build games off of it. Right. They're happy to continue as as Right. As so instead of like everyone flocking the Pathfinder now, I think in the next few years, we're going to see a lot of 5e clones and 5e derivatives, right? Like, well, Kickstarter mm. will probably be flooded with them before the end of the year. We'll probably see at least two or three. And once 1D&D hits, there'll be an even greater demand for 5e clones for people who want a game that's like slightly newer than 5e, but maybe fixes some of the things about it that are broken. Mm. Okay. So it like kind of has the goal of like keeping folks around, even if it's not in the way that they wanted. Yes. And I mean, and I do think that like, in terms of this being a victory, I think it's a victory in the sense that anytime a new system is created, right? Like take a Morkborg or a Numenera or Call of Cthulhu or whatever, people always take the new hot system and hack it the bits to create their own new games. And so I always think it's kind of interesting to see the community flooded with a bunch of new games. Mm. I think it's going to make the ecosystem kind of interesting the next few years. There's a lot of people who are rip and mad about it because they kind of saw all this as like, oh, yes, this will be the death of Dungeons & Dragons, and finally we can get other people to play Fish Knife, like my game about fish and knives, uh, the joke that's been going on. <laughs> Have you seen that meme? Um, no. Yes. no. <laughs> it's a great tweet. It's a great tweet. But no, no, basically that like, there's a lot of people who don't seem to understand that some people play D&D. A lot of people play D&D because they want like a fantasy hero simulator. Those people are not interested in playing a game about adolescent monsters dealing with puberty or like goblins who own a bakery or managing a funeral parlor with like your grieving ghost mom. Like people don't, not everyone wants to play those goddamn games. Those all sound like PC games to me. They wait. These are all spinoffs. Are you just making these up? Uh, at least one of those was a real game, and two of them weren't. You should figure out which on your own. <laughs> Not but, a game within the gaming conversation. You got two truths and a lie. No, no. But the point is that, like, I think a lot of people see the existence of D and D as being a thing that stops people from playing the weird little indie RPGs they want to play, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily true. Some people right. just don't want to play those games. And some people really just need a push to play a game that's not D&D. They just need someone to introduce them to it and not be a weirdo about it. (laughs) And so, I mean, I don't think D&D can die because I think D&D kind of belongs to the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that they did what they did. Coincidentally, they gave a gift to the community to stop asking the people how much of D&D they owned. (laughs) Which I think is still a lot more... (laughs) Than is really being discussed. And maybe these legalities mm. will start getting probed mm-hmm. in the longer term. Yeah. But I mean, also, like, yeah. so problematic. So, I mean, look, there, there's some, there are still some issues with what's happening, right? Like, games like Pathfinder, which are built on the OGL. Yes, it's not changing now, but it could still could change in the future. Right. right? The OGL changing could affect a bunch of other retro clones and other games that exist. Even now, what they said they're not changing the OGL, I think we're going to see a lot of newer updated additions to games that we like, previous tabletop RPGs, um, just sort of like rewarding the content so that they're no longer tied to the OGL. Mm, mm -hmm. And 
Wizards is probably going to have to do some sort of like goodwill campaign. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are still people talking about boycotting the movie. And me, it's just one of those things where it's like, I need to like really feel jazzed to go to a movie theater to like go see a movie. I saw those trailers. Like, I wasn't feeling like I was going to go the first weekend, even before <laughs> this whole controversy. Like, I, I could have waited to catch that this summer. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't. Right. Like, all I, Chris Pine, my homie, Cheryl Rodriguez, I love you. Regine Page has a functional face to me, so I don't really want to go see a movie he's in. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, oh. That's how I feel about him. His face just is so punchable to me. Um, <laughs> is, I'm so, is that problematic? I'm sorry. No, no I, I, I... It's I, it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I'm I'm not really punchable to me, but punchable... You know, I get it. I, 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 wait, get it. What? I like the young bull from Detective Pikachu. He's cool, but like also not a draw for me to go to the movie theater. Oh, wait, the little, the little, little black. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a man, I guess Cedric now. But he's, he's, a yes. he's a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's, he's, you know, he's a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to make me go see a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> not. Like, <sighs> look, I think if they wanted this D&D movie to be a hit, they maybe would have cast a little differently. Mm. Um. Mm. I, like I said, I like all those actors, but like you're not. They're trying to marvelize this shit. Like, yeah, I, I, ironically, and this is this goes against what they're trying to do, and is exactly the problem. But for me, good D and D content is shit like Critical Role or other larger actual plays that are getting turned into media. Like that's first season of Vox Machina was really good. I didn't ever watch Critical Role, but I watched that and right. it was good. I, I just rewatched that joint and I started the second season. It's good. And I'm not a Critical Role fan because I can't listen to a podcast that long. I truly can't. Yeah, no, I can't. But I love that cartoon. It's good. It's solid. I really enjoy it. But I'm, like I said, this is also, these are also the things that Hasbro is noticing, right? Their shareholders are literally asking like, why is Where's there a cartoon? Our... Where, why is right. there a cartoon that we're not making money off of? Like, what's going on? Like, hmm. like where's our bread? Or like, I mean, and it's it's funny because, like, when you think about, like I said, when you think about the things Hasbro owns, like, you could probably monetize Power Rangers more than you can monetize D&D, and they don't really seem to be doing that. Like, they own Transformers, and you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it's kind of weird that they're hyper-focusing on D&D as a, like, nah, 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 we need movies, we need cartoons, we need more toys, we need more merch. When they have very toyetic properties they already own. I just feel like D&D is having a moment culturally that maybe people inside of D&D are not recognizing, but like it really is ubiquitous and I think that's part of the problem as well. I agree with your point that some people are very clearly just looking for D&D to die so that other TTRPGs can live. And the reality for people outside of the community, which I would say I'm outside of the community, is that D&D is what is ubiquitous. I really only know what Pathfinder is because of this controversy. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the degree to which these other tabletop games were even based on this OGL. Like, that right. that entire thing was new to me when I was learning about this controversy because, to me, D&D is... It, that's what it is. <laughs> if you want to play tabletop, that's what you're playing. You're playing TNT. People act like that's 
due to some sort of like active malevolence on the part of Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. It's one of those things where it's like, yo, I was at PAX and like, if you had asked me before I went to PAX, like how many board games existed, I maybe could have named five. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just like, oh, y'all over here playing Monopoly, like, German, sorry. German, German board games. And like, how long did it take for like Catan to like become like a popular thing that people exactly. played? Like, and that, it was around for a long time. Like, I think that, like, look, I think other TTRPGs kind of have an image problem. I, th- I mean, number one, like, they haven't been around as long. Games will get dropped and then you'll get second editions of them a year later. And I'm just like, I haven't even played the shit out of the first version of your game. Like, you're just kickstarting another one. Like, I think part of the reason why D&D endures is because D&D has endured. It's just been there. Mm-hmm. It's the guy who's always, like, down to play pickup. You're like, all right, you can be on my team. You're always here. Like, go ahead. And I think other games need to figure out a way to, you know, like, look, I'm sure getting on a Stranger Things type program would help. Many other games become popular. But, like, people always say, like, yes, being on TV show and Critical Role has made D&D more popular. Like, and it has to an extent. But it's still one of those things where it's like, it's also still really hard to get a group of adults to commit time to like playing a tabletop mm-hmm. RPG. Yeah. And so I think there's also like the sort of time commitment thing, right? Like there's probably so many games y'all want to play, but like you're playing another game. Exactly. No, but part of the reason why I would play less than... I am perhaps interested in is because I have other shit going on in other games and other, you know, it's just not my priority. Yes. Mostly destiny. I was actually going to say, I I would love to create a destiny (laughs) 5e thing. I know that it's been attempted before, but now it seems like it would actually be legal. So well, how would it be legal? You don't have the destiny stuff. Fuck. There's definitely a destiny 5e thing. I've seen it. Exists. No, there definitely is. Yeah. But I would, I would like, you know, let's call Bungie. You know what I mean? Like, let's mm-hmm. let's really make it. I mean, oh yeah. So it, uh, no, it, yeah. So yeah. I mean, so that's the other thing, right? Is that like now that the five E SRD is Creative Commons, anybody could come and use that to make their own game and publish something. So it's like Bungie could license out to a studio to do an RPG. And so that's actually, so that's actually the funny part, right? That actually goes back to. I think Hasbro not necessarily understanding what they own because like Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes the world's most popular role-playing game. And they still licensed out their Power Rangers and Transformers and G.I. Joe RPG to another company Mm -hmm. who did, I would say, not a great job with the Power Rangers game. That makes no sense. I mean, look at the Transformers movies. Let's not pretend that these are good decisions in general. This company is not making good decisions. That's like McDonald's saying, hey, we got the Big Mac, and now Wendy's is going to make them. (laughs) It truly makes no sense. You you have the the burgers. You can make the burgers right there. And it probably would have been cheaper. I don't know. I actually don't understand why you'd go out of house to make... RPGs for a game that you... I bet you those Hasbro share owners don't even know that there's a Power Rangers RPG. I bet you they don't know. <laughs> no. I promise no you they don't know. Which, by the way, like, I own that game, so y'all ever want to play. I've literally never <laughs> run it because nobody wants to play the Power Rangers RPG. I um, that was a banned thing in my house. <laughs> yeah, see, we could watch Power Rangers. Wait, I was not Power allowed Rangers? to watch Power No, we, I was I not allowed to. 
My my cousins bought me the DVD of Mr. Ooze or whatever. Yeah, with the jelly and shit. Yeah, 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 the movie. And that was my very first exposure to Power Rangers. And my mom couldn't do anything about it because it was a gift. And they, like, wanted to watch it with me right then. And so I got to watch it. And when she watched it, she was like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. And then I was allowed to watch the movie only. (sighs) Not the TV show. The movie only. What was wrong with Power Rangers is what I don't understand. Nigga, I don't know. She banned all kinds of... I, Spongebob was banned. I still can't believe you read Harry, American you were Idol to read Harry Potter. I, I had to beg on my knees to I read Harry Potter. I couldn't... My mama said... <laughs> <laughs> you brought what into my I house? I had to Let recruit other parents to convince my mom to continue to allow me to read Harry Potter. Looking back, was that the best use of your time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Well, that was a show, and fuck Hogwarts Legacy and <laughs> JKR forever and ever. Fuck forever. you forever, for real. That's wild. Anyway, she's gonna buy our apartment and <laughs> kick us out of it. I mean, no, not not really. No. I'm not charitable toward her at all. I would believe basically anything you say about her at this point. J.K. Rowling eats puppies. First of all, I've seen a video of that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, happy Black History Month. Happy to That's bring right. some negritude to your playlist. Right at the top of the month. Right Love at the top of the it. month. We will be back here soon talking about some other relevant things. Still going to have that God of War conversation. That's right. Still got to do it. There's, there's a lot of things percolating over here. There are a lot of things percolating. Anyway, before we can really sign off we have some people to thank absolutely our wonderful beautiful fantastic fabulous hot probably hot probably mm-hmm. patrons then they're hot because they're patrons i mean so if you want to be hot you need to join this list of patrons which includes after emma enya i may shuli nerdy cody mike alex and alan thank you all so much we appreciate you we really do and you're hot probably there you go. Look at that. Look at look at that extra bonus, that extra benefit that no one... <laughs> you don't even have to pay extra for that. <laughs> We're happy to just throw it in. Uh, anyway, uh, you should join us in the Discord. Is if you on, have any thoughts yeah. about any of this. Let us know. Oh, if you're gearing up for a light fall? Oh, here girl, we go. you know I am. Feel mm. free to join the Discord. We'll get you caught up. We'll get you a build. I'm like helping clean out people's vaults. Like we are getting ready. And if you want to talk about anything else, <laughs> like there's other there's other games. I would love. I need to talk to someone about high 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 on life. No, I need to talk to someone about Hi Fi Rush. Oh my god! There's Please. So <laughs> that's cute. what I meant. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, what that a faux man is pas. a piece of shit. Listen, I, I was gonna just cut that and edit it for you, but now we have to keep it in for that revelation. Yeah, fuck Justin Rowland. Absolutely fuck you too. You and JKR can go fuck each other together off forever. Ew. <laughs> we have to go now. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Bye, y'all. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to keep that. <laughs> you, you have to. <laughs>